Mythos Hermes podcast. Welcome to the world of the Western esoteric tradition. Friends and listeners, welcome to yet another episode of the Thought Service podcast. And yes, believe it or not, it's already episode 12 of this season 10. And it's my great pleasure here on Sunday, November 12, to welcome all of you to this new episode with the great alchemist Brian Cotnoir. We had a really nice conversation uh, when we recorded this interview, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy that greatly. Well, I did when we recorded it. So, um, great to have you back. Great to have you here as the as our guests and listeners here, and those of you who are discovering Thos Hermes and his podcast. Well, um, I'm really glad to have you here. It's great that you found us. Um, while you are all around, the new ones, the ones who are returners and have been here for, well, all over six years already, you know that it's 158 episodes already on the website that you can listen to there. Not only on the website, by the way, of course, all major outlets for podcasts, you can find that also on YouTube, of course. But if you want to have more information, if you want to read the show notes and find out everything about our guests and about the topics they are talking about, please go to the website. Please check out those uh, episode pages. And the website is thoshermes.com, T-H-O-T-H-E-R-M-E-S.com. And I really also want to thank uh, once again, Emily, Emily, who since a year now has been writing those summaries for on the web page on the show notes and also elsewhere. Thank you, Emily, for your great work that you're helping me with here. Talking about helping, you know, thank, thanks to all the patrons also, because they are helping a lot as well. May I would even say more than that. They are not only helping, they are making this possible here. They are making this podcast possible by their donations, by their support and I would really urge you to also become a patron because we need you. We need you because things are unfortunately getting more and more expensive, even producing a podcast if you don't want to earn money with it. But if you just have to produce it, uh, well, it does cost money. And uh, without your support, we cannot do that. So it would be lovely if you became a patron as well. Go to the Patreon page and find our Sauce Hermes podcast and if you are already on the Thought Hermes webpage, there is, of course, that famous Patreon button. By the way, also under each YouTube uh, um, episode in, in the comments, you can find the link to the podcast Patreon page. So no excuse not to find it. Thanks again to all of you who are supporting and especially to our one adept supporter who is Imbolc, the Western Magical School, the new Western Magic School Imbolc, who is one 
but the one and only supporter on that level and that's great thanks a lot right um while you are on the web page do send us also comments a message a message via voicemail not many of you want to show their voice hmm, why i don't know but there is a voicemail just click on the tab on the right and you can send the voicemail for free of course to me and it's great listening sometimes even with your consent of course i will play those messages in the intro to the show and if you prefer just ordinary writing typing of course you have the contact page there as well you can send me an email at info at and you can also send messages of course on twitter and on facebook it's always great to get that feedback I regularly get, because I'm asking for it, of course, also uh, suggestions for your music to be played. And that's always great. I love playing music from our guests and from our listeners. And uh, well, today it will be music by our listeners once again. And it's a kind of, well, flashback. Is Maybe it's too much to be said. Two of the three pieces I play here today are by musicians who have already been played with other pieces, of course, in earlier episodes and uh, that were pieces that you, the listeners, enjoyed particularly. And so once again here today, those two musicians will appear with another piece of music they have produced. And um, uh, that's always nice. And the third is a new one you will hear about it again well the first the first uh, piece of music that's going to follow now right away is by brian lucas brian lucas who's been ready on two of our shows here uh, in the last two years i believe and there is one more piece he sent me back then and this is i think a rather good fit also by its title and style for today's subject alchemy and you will hear Brian and myself discuss circulation, which is a term in alchemy, which is not always mentioned enough, in my opinion. I'm glad that Brian puts so much weight in that circulation. And the piece by Brian Lucas, the musical piece we are here to listen now, is called Over and Over. And it has something of that circulation, circulating music. Um, it's a rather long piece, it's seven minutes, and it circulates over and over so brian lucas and over and over enjoy
and over by Brian Lucas. And, well, what a coincidence. Brian is also the first name of our guest here today, Brian Cotmar. Well, Brian Cotmar, I had wanted to have him on the show already for quite some time. And you know how things happen. And finally, finally, we make it. And sometimes it's also good to wait because in the meantime, he has delivered that great book on alchemy. It's called, uh, not booklet, that would be not true. It's not, wouldn't do it justice, but it's, a, if you have those huge books on alchemy regularly, then you think, hmm, what can that smallish book on alchemy be? And it's, it's a real gem. I can only say I discovered that with great pleasure and I can only underline what Sukhev Sanju, who is the director of the Colloquium for Unpopular Culture at New York University. I didn't even know that existed. Unpopular Culture at New York University. And what uh, Mr. Sanju says, there is no sounder or more sage guide to alchemy than Brian Cotmar. I think it's quite right. And it's so funny when you read those little praise chapters or praise um, paragraphs for the book, most of them speak that about that he has distilled, Brian has distilled his ideas, distilled what alchemy is, has distilled the study of the royal art in this form, because it's amazing how dense and at the same time how fluffy, <laughs> I don't know if a book can be fluffy, but well, get it, get that book on alchemy, you'll find the link on the show page um, and you will understand what I mean. It's an incredible piece of work. And uh, we talk about that. But of course, we talk about much more in the upcoming interview here. And I don't want to keep you any longer hope I made you even more curious than before you started this show. I will come back after about 38 ish minutes with a little more music for you. But now stay tuned and listen to Brian Cotnoir. Here comes the interview. I have the great pleasure here today on the Thos Hermes podcast to welcome, well, let me say, one of the few people that I'd call a real alchemist in this time and uh, space. And uh, Brian Kotmar, welcome on the Thos Hermes podcast. Thanks you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, it's a great pleasure. And um, we wanted to do that for quite some time, to be honest. And then I took my break and all kinds of things mm -hmm. uh, came in between. Mm -hmm. But finally, we are together. And um, it was a bit re-triggered also by your recent Zion publications that you, that you, that. Oh, offered. yes, yes, yeah. yes, and, yeah. yes. And we're going to go into that uh, more in, in detail a bit later, your Zions okay. and what they mean to you. Mm -hmm. um, but before all that, people often ask themselves, who are those people that I interview and what made them what uh, they are today? I, I just called you one of the few people I would call an alcoholic alchemist in the 21st century. So what made Brian Cotmar become an alchemist, but also the other things, an artist, a filmmaker, uh, how mm -hmm. did that all start? How did it all start? Well, <laughs> way back in the beat. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, first, I think just to be very clear what I mean by alchemy and what this is, just Mm -hmm. to be so we're all on the same page, what I mean by this. Um, I do laboratory work. Uh, I am hands-on or not so much now since I don't have a, a, a space in which to do it except for my kitchen, which I still continue to do some things, but not as deeply and as elaborately as I would like. <clears throat> but I do the material work. I will go through texts, kind of work out uh, experimental protocol and then attempt to reproduce it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then from there, you start to gain some insights as to how this particular text is communicating its ideas. Is it speaking about material alchemy? Right. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it may or may not necessarily be depending upon time and place. Yes. So so this, these are the things I, I work on materially. Uh, but there's an inner aspect that is uh, to it as well. Of course. Yes. Out of my work in reading and study, I've been doing this for probably far too long. Um, quite honestly, (laughs) probably pushing over 50 years at this point. And I'll get to the origin story shortly, but I I first want people to understand like what this work is. Sure. Um, and so this is what I would do. I I would read the text, but not only the text themselves, the surrounding sort of philosophical, theological, cultural, Mm. artistic milieu texts that inform it as well. Um, and through this work over time, I've come to define alchemy as an art and a science that brings something to its final completion. Okay. So taking that apart, that something really can be anything, can be a material object, maybe lead into gold, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe the soul, maybe the spirit could be yes. that thing, right? Um, and it's an art and a science, much like medicine is an art and a science. Right. Right. And like There's some this, of those magicians we well know have also said, uh, yeah. Sir in Britain, for example. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So this is an art and a science, yeah. right? There's a, there's a, okay, show me. You said you can do this. Okay. Show me. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, a phrase out of, um, I guess the, the, the pre-royal society was per ignium, meaning yeah. by fire, right? If you're claiming you made gold, okay, then show me, right? right. If it's gold, right. it's gold. It's going to be gold, right? Despite mm-hmm. what you, right? Yeah. So it has that aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, you know, how do you tease these things apart becomes the, the art aspect of it. And then, as I said, that something can be material or immaterial, right? So it brings it to its completion. This is, this is where, what makes alchemy a little bit different. It has this idea of, you know, some kind of pathway, some kind of range, some kind of spectrum, some kind of movement involved. A transmutation is involved. So it may mean, as they understood alchemy, um, as I understood the material world, right, the metals were on a spectrum. Lead was just impure gold, not cooked long enough, not under the proper astral, you know, waves, what have you, to kind of bring it to gold. Right. So this is what the artist did. This is what the alchemist did, mm. was to take what nature started and completed it. Right. Yeah. Gold is the end. So and this is the idea. Perfect, so, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Perfected. Right. And if yeah. you think yeah. of it, the perfect 
perfect tense is really <laughs> done, finished, done, right? Yeah. And what I often say, a lot of this experience in, in this creative act um, is understanding when something is done. Mm. Right. I think anybody who paints, anybody who does anything creative that you take it one step, what was once beautiful is now kind of destroyed. Um, you play with these ideas. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And um, it's not I, like I, these I, things. I may yeah. say something. Maybe you can comment yeah. on that. Yeah, uh, please. I was using for I was working for years as artistic director of opera houses. And mm. I don't want to speak about myself here, but uh, I often came to that point very Inconsciously, I did see the plan this season with I chose the pieces who would like to play and perform it with whom, etc. And I somehow knew there was something wrong, not something mm. before we started. I mean, I planned it, you right. know, and then I changed maybe a piece to another, and suddenly I just knew. Now it was okay. And that, I think that's exactly what you mean. By this that, is, right? this is exactly it. This that's is exactly the it. artistic process. And this there. is where we see the relation because alchemy is the art of arts. This is what yes. it was called. Yes. And this is what the Emerald Tablet, one of the earlier texts, root texts of alchemy, if you want to call it that, around 2000 years ago, right? Is that pretty much all creation follows the same rules is what yes. it's saying. Mm -hmm. whether it's the great one that is creating or the individual one that's creating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you start looking at alchemy and alchemical theory in that way, it starts to open up a whole nother, whole lot of other possibilities. Yeah. Uh, because then you start to see that any material, if you're working on it, with it in a inner spiritual way, any material can be used quote unquote alchemically. In that sense, because you, you are bringing, and this is what the, I'm going to plug away now. The latest book is really kind of about. Absolutely. And we're going to delve deep into that book <laughs> to many of those things that you just said. I think we should develop them a bit later. Uh, right. Because right, they are right. really important. And as you say, part of that book we're going to talk about. This exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, so this is how I understand alchemy. It has mm -hmm. this inner, inner aspect of it. Um, and the idea being that as you work on the outer level, right, we all know this, right? The more things you do in the outside world, the more likelihood they'll show up in dream. Right. 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 Sure. So if you are doing something over and over again, that will show up in dream. The next step is to start to work with that. And this is where you, you begin, especially when you read the older text. So we can get into this later if you mm -hmm, want. Mm -hmm. um, but there is this idea of an ascent that goes on, right? Right. And this is the perfection of the union with the one. The, as um, I've been reading a lot of Giordano Bruno, and as he says in one place, um, circling perfection through perfection to the one. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting idea because just this idea of bringing, okay, lead and perfecting it to gold. Well, in this view, lead is already perfect, right? Because lead is what it sure. is, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's just not gold, Yeah, but that's okay. Lead is still perfect. And so this is what it alludes to. Everything really is in its own perfection. It's just that as it moves from perfection to perfection, it approaches unity. Yeah. So it becomes a very different idea. But that is a very, a very 
beautiful idea and also something that you can meditate on quite a bit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, and that's the idea here. In other mm. words, that you would see demonstrated in the work, right? Whether it's a painting, a film cut, something written, an actual alchemical chemical process that goes through. Um, yeah. Mm. You, yeah. You, so, it, it actually pushes back and, you know, it starts to talk to you in a absolutely, way. Absolutely. So to speak. So how did Brian Cottmore come from uh, the first stage of perfection as a child, maybe already? Oh, to yeah, the place yeah. where he stands today. Yeah, well, actually, <coughs> it was it was two things, really. Um, and they're around the same time, oddly enough. One was I got my adult library card mm -hmm. right at about in seventh grade. So I was about 12 or so. Right. And one of the things I like to do was go to the library after school, do all my homework, nerd as I was, and then just randomly go up and down stacks. Okay. And just pull books off the shelf and just kind of read, you know, just whatever. And sooner or later, I don't know if it was in the chemistry section, history of science. I don't really recall it being in like the occult esoteric section, but it was this Actually, it was like a very good book on the history of alchemy. Just, I think it was Alchemy, and it might have been by Titus Burkhart, mm -hmm. which yeah. is a very good book, by the way. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So, Please, yes. It, exactly. It's just called Alchemy. Yeah. But it annoyed me, right? It really annoyed me. Okay, why? Because I really... I really was into science as a kid, just mm -hmm. fascinated, loved it replicated stuff. I mean, I, I, yeah, making, making gunpowders, rocket fuel, just whatever, you know, normal kid stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, I also liked art. I like to draw. I like to, and many, uh, many of my family members are artists, right? So this was, I could understand one and I could understand the other, but here this book was both. Right. I'm look, I didn't think that at that time. Sure. I look back on it like what was annoying me and trying to articulate it. It's like it wasn't one or the other. It was both. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it but I kept going back to it. Right. I mean, that's the thing. I kept going back to it. And then I just started to go a little deeper and deeper into, oh, I would say iconography, iconology in the bigger sense, like uh -huh. images in a mystic sense and how they were. That was a, some of the things that really drew me, which brought me into the occult section of the bookstore, of course. which led me to a, a little sales tag. You know how like books, when they would, a bookstore would sell it, they'd put yeah. a sticker or a stamp. Well, one of the more interesting ones um, had a stamp from Samuel Weiser Bookstore in New York City. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I figured that's the mother load. You have to go. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, my local library, it, it you know, yeah. it had a decent section for a kid. But once you get past the first three or four kind of interesting things, um, you kind of want more, right? Sure. I'm rather fascinated to hear that because I hear it from time to time from people like you that they have started their, in, in America, I must say, that they have started yeah. their path 
in the local library. And yeah, I, I have visited local libraries here in Austria, but I wouldn't have come across that type of books at that time back then. Uh, right. And right. I think See, the US had a good advantage on that, right? Well, I, I guess it did. I mean, it's like I really think of one of the stranger things was I remember as a kid finding the occult section and I, I had to be like 12, 13, because I was still in grammar school, like like eighth grade, like my last year. And I remember sitting on the floor and I was reading this, looking through this one book. I don't know what it was on the Rosicrucians, a author, a weight, that piece of concrete mm-hmm. that you try to read. Right Here I am like 12 or 13 looking at this. I yeah. what? <laughs> and um and I had a few other books on the esoteric and this older man was in the aisle looking at some books and he says, are you interested in this? And I said, yes, he goes, that's very good. Never tell your parents. <laughs> Did you <laughs> follow was, his advice? <laughs> uh, actually, I, I didn't. I mean, I never really thought to because it was like, except it was true. Yeah, it was. I actually went home probably that same day because it was the book on the Rosicrucians by A.E. Waite that I bought trying to look at. And my mother sees it and she goes, what are you reading? Because we always would talk about what I would read. I would read everything. So um, I said this this thing on the on the Rosicrucians and she goes, don't waste your time with that. Right. You see. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, 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 and it's yeah. like, OK, OK. And it and now I look back on it because having tried to read <laughs> the Rosicrucians by weight, I kind of wonder if it was a, uh, yeah, don't waste your time on that. <laughs> the guy can't, the guy's like dense concrete, just what you really want to read, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, so it was that, it was actually a lot of early like exposure. One of the biggest ones mm-hmm. Was and this was another aspect that fascinated me, um, as I think all kids do at, at like nine, ten is like a fascination with death. Like, okay, where do yes. you go? What's that all about? All mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. Um, and I came across someplace the Egyptian Book of the Dead, mm-hmm. right? And it was the library, but it was a call catalog, right? It was like as I was going through, it wasn't on the shelves, right? So I was like, oh, can I see this? And they were like, well, you know, you have to get special permission for this because it was the first edition of A.E. Waits, Elephantine lithograph edition. Oh it's about, yeah. yeah, it's about like a meter long, you know, it's, right. it's huge. <laughs> so I had to get, I had to get permission from my teacher, my mother, all this, but man, I... It was amazing, right? To, I really, and it smelt like it should have, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. So I was hooked. This was, this was like, as I say, it's also the language, the imagery dealing with the afterlife. This was all the stuff I was interested right. in. So Arthur and had a real influence on you in the end. Well, there you go. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Negatively. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that. And then I got to Weiser's, you know, um, yeah. my sister and her boyfriend were coming into the village one day and asked if I wanted to come. And it was like, yeah, and it was like I told them I wanted to go to a bookstore. And it was like a teenage girl and her boyfriend going to a bookstore in the East Village on a weekend. No way. They gave me like 20 minutes. And it, it was like, you got 20 minutes. And it was like, 
I, I scanned the place and that's where I saw Paracelsus's um, Hermetic and Alch- also edited by weight, right? Really? Uh, the Hermetic yeah. and Alchemical Writings of Paracelsus, the two volumes. And yeah, I vowed that someday that would be mine. After so you were, really, were really meant to meet those things because I can't yes, twenty minutes in, in a bookshop for the first time. Yeah, <laughs> really know. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was a bookstore devoted to the esoteric and the occult. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. That's, yeah. I mean, it was like this is this is I'm I'm in this is where the mother load is, and I got twenty minutes, and it was more reconnaissance than actually, you know. Okay, those books are there. Those books are there. Those books are there. What do I need to do? Come back next. Yeah. And that's what I started doing. Just started coming myself. And come with, her, got come used with the, to it. <laughs> oh yeah, I would. Yeah, you figure out. I, mean, I would take the subway, come into the city, and yeah. um, you know. And then I, I would come in with a friend of mine who I, we would panhandle. I would, to get enough money, I, for me, for books, for them, I have like, I don't know what they were up to, but <laughs> for me, it was to get, go over to Weiser's and buy, right, uh, right. And complete the book. So, Amazing. and then I worked there mm-hmm. to be able to get into the basement where the books were. Okay. Yeah. And that's where I read. That's where I studied. I mean, mm-hmm. I snuck yeah, they know this now. I, I told both Weissers and Watkins. Uh, they had um, these books that were done in the 1890s, really good primary source works on alchemy that Watkins had done in the 1890s. Mm-hmm. In the 1960s, Watkins and Weissers started reissuing them in that form, and they were really beautiful, right? Okay. But only a few hundred. It wasn't a limited edition, just limited printing. Yeah. And there's no way I could afford these very important books. So at lunchtime, well, we'd go take a walk <laughs> to the copy shop, photocopy the whole thing and sneak it back onto the shelf. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, that, that was the beginning of my library. So. Well, good for you. I mean, yeah. I mean, the internet was not what it is today. It didn't even exist well, at that time, of course. It, there's no way. This is 19, this is 1968, 69, yeah, 70, exactly. 78. No, no, this so, is, but if you wanted something. Yeah, but if you have to, a bit, I wouldn't call it fight for it, but if you have to do something to get You got to find it. Exactly. And Maybe that's already the beginning of alchemy, isn't it? To, to have to do something material in order Absolutely. to get what your spirit needs. Yeah, like get your ass in gear and go get it. Yes. You know, you know what I mean? It, it, or at least write a letter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Write a letter and put some money in it. Yes. Make an exchange and it comes. You know, Call Absolutely. those spirits up. <laughs> get them to work. Absolutely. And, and when did you start becoming the artist that you are and also the filmmaker because you also yeah. you you are around the same time around yeah, the same around time, the same time. Okay. yeah yeah in high school i was doing some super eight mm-hmm. kind of like in, i saw a kenneth anger film and it was like oh i'm into the occult oh you can do that oh i could do that too so i i don't i'd love to see these these are lost you know, uh, some super yeah. eight from the sixties, seventies, sure. sort of, of a cult, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if like, nobody wow. copied them on the, on the videotape later, then they are lost. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. I, I think they were lost very early on, but, um, but that's where it started. Mm-hmm. And then I went, <clears throat> you know, finishing high school, went and worked in, um, worked in the bookstore 
until I realized, you know, what I wanted to go for. And I went and studied chemistry. Okay. Um, uh, so, yeah. so you did, you did chemistry. Uh, oh yeah. I did uh, chemistry did minor in physics and then, um, okay. worked for a year in a lab doing chemical analyses and then went and did my MFA in film. Right. But see the whole time I'm doing everything. See, I didn't go to school to get a job, right? I went to school to get tools, uh-huh. right? I went to, I, I go wherever I need to go to get the tools I need to go do the things I want to go do. And at the university, it was like, wow, they have a laboratory. I can learn chemistry. I can learn a, I can learn a language of the medium of this alchemy that I'm wanting to study mm-hmm. and practice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, here's an opportunity to study some language. You know what I mean? It was just yeah, sure. But I wasn't going there to get a job in chemistry. Right, right. It was Do you know what I mean? To it learn something like else, which bring you to learn what to I learn. needed to, because yes. there was no way I could learn these skills out in the world. Yeah, yeah. Right? I had to well, go. Well, maybe you can develop a bit on that because um, you mentioned uh, the, the practical alchemy um, mm-hmm. when you explained about alchemy in general, and this is often something that that creates maybe confusion. Of course, people, and especially those who are listening to this podcast, they know a bit about the background of alchemy and they know mm-hmm. that spiritual alchemy is the stronghold of it. And we get into, into that with Mary Atwood, maybe a little bit later. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, but mm-hmm. for you in general, um, how do we, did you, and how do you now, and how would you also suggest some practitioner who, who starts, who has not the experience that you got now uh, to balance those two sides in the 21st century in when we live all in apartments that do not have the, uh, the basement uh, laboratory that you can create oh, there. How, oh, how, would right. you, how would you suggest that those people get into alchemy in the real, in the real way? Like in a laboratory sense of it, yes. right? Like in a sense of like making yes. something. Do they need yeah. to? That's the question. Well, here's the thing. Do they need to? Yeah. Well, it's in my opinion, if you are interested in actually um, studying alchemy, primary sources, things like this, and to to get a grasp and an understanding of what they're talking about, then I would say, yes, you need to do a little, Mm -hmm. right? You need to do a little just so you can convince yourself they really are talking about something material. Right. Right. It's like, for instance, here's, <clears throat> and again, this is something I, I, I cover in the book, right? Absolutely it's like the essential, do, yes. on alchemy, the essential practices. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the ones that is the most essential practice of alchemy, you can't do alchemy without this one process is circulation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This idea of heating a liquid, condensing the liquid, letting the liquid drip back into itself. Yes. And thus repeating. And this is what the Emerald Tablet talks about, right? It talks about the circulation. The wind carries it in its belly, right? The earth nourishes it. Yeah. And you get this idea of circulation, also of alternation, right? Between the sun, sun is the father, the, it's actually interesting, but yes, the sun is the father, the mother is the moon. Yes. Um, This kind of alternation Mm -hmm. that goes on. And it's interesting linguistically, because in German, it's uh, the sun is feminine and the moon is masculine. Definitely. 
and the same in Arabic, which is where this yes. is translated from. Yes. So you have this, it doesn't really matter. It's just about a binary that oscillates. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Yeah. The fine, Name the famous, it what you will. The famous hermetic binary. Absolutely. <clears throat> exactly. So it's yeah, this idea yeah. of circulation, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as I was, um, I was working on a translation of the Emerald Tablet and I was working on a workshop I give on distillation and the quintessence of wine. Right? Uh-huh. And I wanted to develop a very, very simple apparatus that anybody could go make from a hardware store, basically a mason jar and a martini glass with the stem broken off, situated in there. Okay. Get the book. You see the picture. It all absolutely. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so as I was working this out, I had alcohol in the bottom, you know, heating and it was, you know, evaporating and condensing, right. And then dripping back in. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I would check it once in a while to see that I was, and I was literally working at the table on the translation. And I'm, there was a phrase in there. We're so used to hearing the Emerald tablet, the phrase as above, so below, as below, so above. Well, what the Arabic was saying and what the Latin from the Arabic was saying is that the above comes from the below and the below comes from the above, right? Meaning that there's this constant circulation, constant creation, constant destruction. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking that's a really interesting concept there. That is, yeah. And so I'm pondering that and I go over, this is like all it was, I go over to the, 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 the bench, so to speak. And this is a hot plate with the alcohol heated and circulating. And I'm looking at like where the martini glass is really cold. And there's a, there's like this little cloud, right? Mm -hmm. And it looks like it's raining almost. And I'm thinking, where is that coming from? Is there a leak is what I thought. Perhaps there's some kind of a vapor leak of some kind. And I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. no, that's coming from below. Oh, shit. (laughs) The above comes from the below. The below comes from the above. Mm -hmm. What they're talking about is, and this is one of the most basic instruments used in um, Greco-Roman alchemy, is this circulation device that does just that. So what you start to see is um, verification in the experiment, so to speak, of these texts. And this is one one of the benefits of doing it. So what I'm saying is, um, you can do things in your kitchen. I do things in my kitchen. There's a level of um, sort of medicinal tinctures that you can make, right? Um, working from, you know, working from very friendly herbs. Don't work with <laughs> poisonous yes. ones. It's yes. just, yeah, you don't want to be Danger, extracting Danger. tincture of poison ivy and distilling yes. that in your apartment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah. But there are, there are, you don't really need a full laboratory. It, it's more about um, understanding the principles involved, knowing how those principles are at play at what you're doing, even the simple making of a cup of tea. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. There's separation. The idea of alchemy, it separates, purifies and recombines. Is it also the fact that you have to do something with your hands manually, as the word says, that 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 creates a certain feeling for the matter? Or is that not part of it for you? I believe it is part of it. I believe Mm -hmm. it is part of it because um, 
it is just how we are as a as a as a being, right? Eyes, mind, hand. I mean, this yeah, the hand takes up I don't you know how much how much geography and ge- you know geography of the brain, right? Just a and what this can do. Um. So yeah, I do, and I know you know as someone who makes something, right? I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of it is print, but I also work materially in yes. in. Yeah laboratory working with sculptural type objects in a way um, that there is something that you get from your hands, right? There is something you get when you make a sound that you get through your ears, right? It's, it's, it's that physical interaction. It's like what I, what I, what I say is like, you will work, right? You'll do an alchemical work with intent. Matter pushes back. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, right. and you and just where, said a very important word, intent. That's, of course, that's yeah. crucial to it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It. Because, yeah. you know, you can make a cup of tea just to have a cup of tea and then you yeah. can go the whole t- Japanese tea ceremony and really go deep. Yes. Right. And it's like way to go for a cup of tea. But no, it, it, it's it, yeah, sure. Yes. There, there are cups of tea available afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And the Eucharist is just a dull wafer. You know what I mean? It's like these kind of ideas. Uh, you said something in, in, in the early pages of that book, and I will come to that book in more detail mm-hmm. in one moment, but maybe just that phrase first. Alchemy is the art of arts and the art of the creative act. And I found that phrase fascinating and a meditative thing. Um, could you a bit expand on that? The art of the creative act and the art of arts? Yes. Well, the art of arts is literally, if you go back, you will see it referred to that in like 15th, 16th century literature Yeah, on alchemy. They will talk of it as the art of arts because mm-hmm. it is, it's talking about creation and that's what it is. It's the art of creation. How do you create something? Yeah. Um, right. And this is where the Emerald tablet comes back in because it starts to give a hint of how one would go create. Right. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. this idea of circulation of and how that plays out in any particular medium. Well, that's part of the game. So art right? is that's part of the explanation. Right. Art yeah. Part creation, of the explanation, yeah. part yeah. of the process of mm-hmm. like, well, how do you do that? Yeah. Um, and there are there are guides or hints to this in other art mediums. I draw yeah. out the uh, the example of, of like Byzantine iconography, Orthodox Christian iconography. Yeah. It's engaged in a spiritual practice of ascent, right? But, you know, there are, there are stages and these stages have symbols and, you know, there's, there are way these things are read as reflections of your soul, right? That the icon itself is two things. It's a mirror and a window. Yes. Right? It's a window onto the thing you're trying to be, right? But then it's a mirror of like, well, look what you got. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, you know what do you not need necessarily to do? the same thing <laughs> yeah, exactly 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 yeah, yeah. and but, um well, yeah go ahead no that that's that that's it i'm saying and that's that's an example of you know how this art medium right because it's it uses the material of art but it's iconography is not art right it's a meditative practice and 
prayer practice, essentially. Uh, yes. Uses the material point. of art. Very important point. Exactly. Use it as, as a tool. Exactly. There you right. Are. Yeah. As alchemy yeah. will use the material world, right? Yeah. In the fuller sense, because there is an alchemy that was really focused on, wow, we could really do this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, you know, these are, this is the Isaac Newton and Robert Boyle, right? The last yes. alchemists and the first physicists. And they were, Boyle was a true believer. He thought the more he did, the adepts will show, come up and show him. But it was like the more he did to realize, well, not by these means. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But Um, there is that focus. When you Mm -hmm. speak, I mean, not uh, usually when one speaks about hermeticism or magic, whatever you, Mm -hmm. uh, those terms, um, you or hermeticism, let's put it like that. You speak about three parts to it. Astrology alchemy and theurgy so that's the, the common use of right after three parts when i hear you and i don't mean this as a reduction on the contrary i would like to maybe that's already but the way of concentrating in an alchemical way you boil it down to use that terminology to alchemy also the two other parts am i right or or do i exaggerate that a bit um i'm saying that again i didn't quite catch the last well that that also astrology and especially also theurgy is Mm -hmm. all meeting in the center which is alchemy so that alchemy becomes the center of those three those parts uh, of of the art of alphabeticism yes i would say so yeah i would why would you say that (laughs) because you find all three at play Mm mm-hmm I mean, I mean, really, it's not like anytime I will do something alchemical, I will go do an astrological chart or anything else like that. I actually don't feel that's really necessary. Right. Um, I think about it in terms of, you know, like a really good chef. Right. What, what do you have? What do you need to do? What are the ingredients? And yes, it would be really nice if you had that tool or that ingredient, but you know, you don't, but you still have to serve a dinner. So what do you do? This is where you're open to what's going on in the world. That's why I speak of it in terms of like a poetry of matter. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think of, so for instance, if I had a choice of doing something on one day or another, yeah, I'll check out what's going on in the sky. You know, but I won't look at angles necessarily. I kind of look at them as characters and who they're hanging out with and where they're going. Okay. Right. Okay. (laughs) And I pick that up inadvertently in a sense. Um, Stephanos of Alexandria, um, a seventh century, sixth century Byzantine philosopher wrote on alchemy. Yeah. Speaks about uh, an arrangement of the planets one morning. And the way he's speaking about it is how one is approaching another, how nothing is, how another is moving. And then he goes, isn't that just like what's happening in the flask? Right. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking, it's like, he's not, you know, he's kind of reading because he, he's an astrologer, first of all. So he knows he doesn't have to look up anything. He just sees it, you know? Yeah. Um, But you get a sense of, um, to me, that was a poetry of matter, right? In other words, that he was seeing something there and a configuration that's beautiful. So that's what I'll look for, right? Right. I'll look for something that's like, oh, you know what? It's prettier on Thursday than it is on Monday. (laughs) Very interesting. Yeah. 
you know, it harmonizes. It's another hidden element to it. But to the point of, I feel that alchemy does take those three things and kind of works with them or can work with them. So you'll be setting up a work. Integrates them. Integrates them, uses them. And the theurgy is this opening up of a channel. Yeah. Right. Opening up a channel to the one and mm-hmm. what, what, what flow goes on there, what circulation yeah. goes on there. Yeah. So yeah. that's why, and it's not to say that each one of those things, no, you know, it, it, it's, it's just that I find that alchemy is that, that field of play, which yeah. makes it the art of arts, the art of creation. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Because it brings that, brings that into it. Well, let's take our musical break now. And as I promised to you in this break, I will play another piece by some musician who was already our guest here, twice actually he as well, on this show. And his name is Hassan Ismail and he lives in America and he is producing an extraordinarily in inspired music, mystically inspired music, hermetically inspired music on guitar and some other instruments. And we are going to hear his uh, piece that's called Unio Mystica et Physica. Well, isn't that a fit also for today's topic, alchemy? Unio Mystica et Physica by Hassan Ismail. And after that, <laughs> we will return to Brian. I'm laughing because he will see the, the second part of the interview starts with, in a very funny way, I feel I find when Brian asks me if he may continue with something. Yes, Brian, continue as much as you want. We can always listen. It's great what you have to say. Right. And at the end of that interview, After the second part, I will have a piece of music by a new musician, new in the sense that he has not yet appeared here on the show, but he is also a fervent listener of this show. He is from Germany. He is uh, producing music in... Uh, it's it's punk rock. It's punk rock. Uh, he, he is performing by the name of Nick Green and he's produced an album <laughs> during the Corona time. So it's already two or three years back. And he sent me that just before I started my break, actually. And the, the CD or the collection of music, I think it was a CD, actually, that he produced back then was called Coronavirus Punk. <laughs> so, and the very first piece that we're going to play is called Gesund, which as he's German, of course, he partly uses German titles and Gesund means healthy. So I do hope all of you are healthy and will like this music. Um, But first, as I said, we will have this very, very alchemical piece by Hassan Ismail, uh, by the title Unio Mystica et Physica. Then we return to Brian Kopnar with the great second part of that interview to end up with Gesund by Nick Green. And then I come back and we'll tell you what's going to happen next week. Enjoy.
Can I say so, one more thing? Of course, back to, all the time. Back to, Please, back to, you're gonna, I think you'll like this. Um, it's uh, back to the origin stories, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's, this is how actually alchemy kind of came into the West, actually, both through literature and then through practice, right? There's like, um, there's a whole tradition of art manuals and things like this from the 9th century, 8th century on forward in Europe that are actually alchemical. Yeah. Um, it's a way to understand it. So, um, my interest in alchemy, as I said, was roaming, roaming the stacks and discovering the books and beginning to read and beginning to experiment. The other one was, um, I'll say an older, not too much older, a slightly older relative of mine, okay. um, said, 
do you want to make dimes? A dime is a small silver coin yeah. here. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, yeah, what do you mean? So they take a thermometer, they break open the thermometer and pour the mercury in their hand. They take pennies and they rub the pennies in the mercury, <laughs> one after the other. And we have about 10 dimes and then they go, let's go buy candy. <laughs> and we did we went to went to the like local grocery store waited for it to be busy went in and paid for two dimes candy 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 and it was like yeah now wow. the thing is this is actually greco-roman alchemy this is you could you can read it this is a whitening of the metal yeah. Right. You would yeah. put you would put the you would put a piece of of, of uh, copper plate. You'd put the mercury in the you'd heat it and it would evaporate and whitening the metal. And so, so practical I figured, alchemy without knowing I was initiated in at a very young age, very hermetic in terms of the thievery involved, the trickery. I mean, it was just like you can't. It's like, yeah. yeah so well, I had it both. Now we know why Hermes is also called the trickster in certain some. That's it. Right? That's it. That's it. God of thieves. Exactly. <laughs> He'll lead you on. He'll I always picture him on, as yeah. this guy hanging out on the corner where you go, which and he go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow me. Follow me. <laughs> it's this very way. Funny. I got to stop with my cousins first. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. That's very funny. Um, when I hold that new book of you, which is called On Alchemy, Enhance, mm -hmm. right? Um, 192 pages. Already you say, okay, well, I'm curious to see that because normally you get a book on alchemy, which is about not beyond, not under 700 pages, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> And it then says, well, um, volume two will follow in a year. <laughs> right, <laughs> and, right. And then you have that and then you go through it and, and you see how generous you also are as an artist because visual parts are important for you with space you have yes for each chapter the bird that corresponds yes. uh, to the chapter then you got a white page then you got an introductory page with some citation and then that's already four pages before you before you get to the to the point exactly right? it's a then, very open book <laughs> absolutely then you go further and you see at about uh, page 107 if i'm not wrong um we are with the appendices already and these appendices are extremely important of course not only yes. the emerald table but they're extremely important i don't want to say more for the moment and, and so you you to take the white pages out and all that you're down to maybe 80 ish pages and then you read oh those. if if that yes, if, exactly. if that and then you read those and you get a feeling and I'm not exaggerating that. How did he manage to put all of that in such a concentrated way in those 80 pages without making your headache? On the contrary, you feel um, light when you read the text. So oh, thank you. Uh, I, I'm not trying to, to, to please you, but how did you do that? <laughs> Was that the intention or? or yes, very. Uh, yes. 
Yes, it, it, it's it's very intentional. <laughs> you can see my previous book, uh, The yeah. Poetry of Matter, yes, which plays with more like a zine type format with yeah. the cut up and the way it's kind of. But this for me was um, was a way to get these very key ideas of the essential practices, but then how any art form can do that. Right. Mm-hmm. How any art form you're working on can be used that way. So that was that was my intent. Now, the, the thing is, I've worked as a film editor right. on documentary right. for like 35 years. OK, so that is there's a there's an art and a science there of its own alchemy where you're given 200 hours of material and there's sometimes not too many other people involved, but like, you know, give us a, give us a two hour cut. Tell me what you think. Yeah. Right. And then people start to chime in how that should get shaped, but you kind of have to know, you know? Yeah. And so this is a field I know, I know quite my own practice. What I'm writing right. about is what I do. Right. Right. I'm not trying to convince anybody to do anything. It's like, oh, by the, as I say, this is yeah, really sure. for me. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Absolutely. No, but but um, I you're reading my mind because that's exactly what I saw. And you confirmed that uh, as a film artist or as a as a performing artist in any kind, I think you have to, especially in, the, in those films that you were making, you have to boil down things to the exactly. essential. And that only works uh, uh, if you are talented in a certain way. <laughs> well, yes, I, I, I thank you. I appreciate that. And it, it is it is true because it's like I was speaking to a friend of mine who's a producer and we, we were talking about editing and he goes, you know, what, what a film editor, documentary film editor particularly, it, it's like it, it's like what you're asked to do. Right. In terms of pulling material Mm -hmm. together, telling a coherent story, then dealing with, you know, the opinions of those whose opinions you'd rather not hear, like whatever, whatever the client's marketing department thinks it should be kind of a thing. Absolutely. (laughs) With all due respect to them. But um, but there's a lot there's a lot there. It's like, how do you. How do and this is where the uh, the idea of theurgy and magic comes in. Because this is, this is really magic, right? Um, as an editor working on a scene in documentary, sometimes you got nothing, right? There's no, there's no footage that caught the moment. There's nothing there. There's somebody kind of talking about it. There's a, but you need that. You need this little, cause things hinge on it. It is amazing what you can do. Right. You're involved in theater, so you know the tricks you can do. Right. Absolutely. Someone making a gesture with their hand in space that looks like a knock and then someone hits their foot on the floor. There's a door there. Right. Um, Someone on the other side straining to hear going, who's there? Oh, that door is really there. Same in film, same in, you know, uh, where an image, a sound or what have you suggest. But then you realize where is that all happening? Right. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere happening between the viewer's mind, their mind and our skills. And this is absolutely. And you read the Emerald Tablet again and it says sons of deception. 
Yes. <laughs> Are we we being the, the performing artists, the sons of deception? Yeah, well, that's what that's like the wonder workers. This, uh, the thaumaturge yeah. is not too far from the yes. dramaturge, right? True, true, true. <laughs> Never thought of that. Yeah, yeah, but you're quite right. Um, you point to some thing in the book i have to ask you a few details about, sure, uh, from the book that i noted but this fits very well with with what you just said um you have put up four rules at some point there in the in the chapter called essential practices and the first rule is actions have results oh yes and i think that's exactly what you were just now referring to and then he goes on results have causes that of course is the again, if I understand it well, the, mm -hmm. the circulation of things. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then it goes further. It goes likes come from like. So here we are. Here right. We are in the in the Emerald Table, and then actions grow and expand. And that is somehow that's rule number four. Mm -hmm. right? right. So so. Can you expand a bit on those four rules and especially on rule four, actions grow and expand? Because I think the first three, we got them through what you said previously. Right, the, right. This rule number four goes beyond that. And right. I would like to hear you right. on that. The other ones are kind of like, yeah, self-evident, right? Yes. Yeah, if, 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 yeah, you do something, something happens. Right. And if something yes. happened, and well, vice versa. Yeah. Exactly. If something happened, yeah. well, probably there were things that caused it. Right. Yes. Yeah. And exactly. then it's like, well, you don't expect, as I say in the book, whatever, you know, goats to give birth to vacuum cleaners. Right. It just yes. that that you don't really yes. expect. Right. So light comes from light. But yeah, this idea of the thing expanding and growing, I mean, really is in our in our in our uh, adages even. Right. A stitch in time saves nine, this kind of thing. Um, but really just observe, observe, observe an action, observe something you do and then make a change and see how it changes. Mm -hmm. Right. Run it through your head. Watch movies. That's this yeah. is like watch a movie and then watch where there's like this amazing big thing that happens, but then trace it back and to see what the key point was that set that all off. Here's a, right. here's what I, Spider-Man, the first one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. The example is right. He's at the wrestling match and he goes and asks for the money. Right. And the guy goes, no. And at that moment, this guy comes in to rob and um, he could have stopped the robbery and helped the guy, but he goes like, fuck you. You didn't want to give me yeah. the money. So you, you get the money. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. So simple action of no action. Right. But now the man goes on out and what does the man do? He's the killer of the spider's uncle, beloved uncle. Yes. Right. Yeah. So this is what it means. In other words, yeah. this action will continue on, right? Seeds grow into trees, trees make seeds, seeds make more trees and so on and so forth. It's just an observation. Is, is that what some people call, in other cultures, call the butterfly effect? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, but anyway, right? it's like, yes, this idea of a small thing can have major, major impact over time. Right. Of course. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. but it's it's more immediate than that. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, just, yeah true. it's just what we do. I mean, if you insult somebody and they hold it in their head, right? 
I mean, yeah. you know, I know how I am, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this thing doesn't go, it, it's like, I try to, it's like, stop it, you know, but it grows. Right. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. ripples in a, yeah. you know, it's, it's a physical thing as well. You know, yeah. Throw a rock in yeah. the water in and, you know, yeah. And then yeah. even that yeah. will have an impact because it hits a fish and then, yeah, I don't know, you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, that's no, the no, idea. Absolutely. It's this idea also yeah. that, um, things are growing, things are evolving, right? Starts yeah. from a seed yeah. and keeps going. So your actions are yeah. just that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where in this book, I can also sense the filmmaker is that in each chapter, you start with a phrase that is not the catchphrase. It's not at all that. It's not a, it's not a headline, right. but it catches you anyway, that, phrase, mm -hmm. that first phrase, because it immediately sets the color of what is to follow in that chapter. And on that very chapter on alchemical practice, you say something that I find so crucial for many occultists. And we have many people in that field, and many of them are also listening here, I'm sure, um, who read and read and read and who do meditation. And and, and that's good. I, I'm not blaming them at all. Don't take me wrong. but. Um, they have a fear of matter and that that very uh, that very uh, chapter that you open here on the practical alchemy opens with this great phrase matter is not the enemy yes <laughs> <laughs> um, i'd also love to hear you a bit more on that because it's so important i think well that's where we are I mean, it's like, I, you know, regardless of where you think you are, um, yeah. you know, but even that's materially supported, right? It's like yeah. You, yeah. you, you, I'm sorry, you think because you have a brain, right? I, yes. I mean, I'm sure there's some folks that well, anyway call it thinking that don't have much of a brain, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> that's something else. <laughs> that's something else. <laughs> but it is, it, it's, um, Here's what I find, like, as I've, as I've studied alchemy, as I've studied these philosophies, these ideas around it, that kind of how the material world rolls and acts, so does the sort of spiritual immaterial world acts. And I think if you can really kind of get this down, if you know what I mean, um, yeah. I think the rest almost kind of follows, or at least you've cleared the water here, right? Um, if you understand that, you know, when you do something crappy, it grows, right? And that if you do something crappy, crappy things come from it. Yeah. You, you try to stop doing those crappy things. And I feel, you know, the air gets clearer because it's not. And that's what I actually think clairvoyance is, right? Clear seeing. You're just getting your shit out of the way. And as a film, yes. and again, theater and film, I mean, it's like you watch these films, you watch these, these theater pieces and it's like the same human nonsense over and over again. And you ask yourself, how did you think that was going to end? Right. Yeah. So you can see people enacting those things in real life and you go, come on, <laughs> how do you think this is going to end? And still it is fascinating to seeing it on a screen or yes. on a stage, right? Yes. Even though we all know how it's going to end. We all know how it's going to end. <laughs> It, but if you tell it differently and you say there's an insight there and there's a power there that we need to yeah. hear this over because hopefully yeah. we're learning something from it. So when you see yeah. it in your real life, you go, whoa, 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 I know how this ends. 
<laughs> Can yeah, we change absolutely. script here? You know? Yeah. <laughs> but having said what you just said, um, does this mean that the that the philosophical term idealism um, mm -hmm. is wrong? Is 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 matter not created by thought in the first place or <laughs> does that not exist because it's circular or how, how well how i don't know you explain that i don't no this is i don't okay. this is like as you said it's quite circular and this is the mm. kind of thing it's like what's the sound of one hand clapping i mean this is the kind of thing <laughs> where you actually do try to sit with that right <laughs> sit with this chicken or egg kind of a thing you know um yeah And there comes a point where you're, where you just go, you know, where yeah. your brain just kind of, yeah. yeah. but I think that's yeah. some of the point of it. It, it. It's kind of using a discursive game in a way uh, to try to leap beyond that in a sense, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I Is that... Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was, I was going to say, I can't say I've ever done it, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. But is that is that the secret of the maze that you also mentioned? On well, I, spot, or is there something else? To me, yeah, I think it's something else. Although it, okay. it is also the the idea of um, seeing the end result as the as the pads. The idea of like looking at an icon and seeing it as both a mirror and a window, mm -hmm. right? That you're seeing yeah. the, the thing yeah. that you're aiming for, but at the same time, you're seeing the reality of what is. And then what yeah. you need to kind of circle perfection through perfection to kind of reach that particular that unity of perfection. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I forgot what I was going to, what, what the question was. <laughs> I confused you. I'm sorry. No, you didn't. It's like, um, um, Well, let's just move on to the next, to the next okay, point. Okay. But this was Maybe interesting. I forgot back. where I was going with that, but uh, we'll no doubt that. circle around back again. Uh, I, 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 as we are in circulating matters. <laughs> yes, there we go. It'll come back. It'll <laughs> come back. Um, we mentioned, and uh, you talked about that um, uh, spiritual alchemy on one side and uh, practical alchemy on the other side. And mm -hmm. that in your book explained that it was by the books by Mary and Atwood, who we mentioned a little earlier already, or just quickly. Um, this came into the history of, of esotericism, of occultism, of, of alchemy uh, um, in the 1850s. Right, right, right. Um, right. So what was in your point of view, what, what happened there exactly? And what was before and after, what was different? What did she exactly ah, trigger with? Okay. That? What I feel is, um, and this is an opinion. I feel it's a, an informed yeah. opinion, but an interesting and interesting. Opinion. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, is really that by the time the 1700s hit alchemy as a practice isn't really, isn't really a major intellectual force. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Right. It's now shifted into the, the, the early sciences of chemistry, medicine, and all these other mm -hmm. things, right? Mm -hmm. You will still find it practiced in sort of as a folk medicine kind of way of making tinctures of, of absinthe and things like that, right? So spagyrics, basically. Exactly, exactly. With yeah. some minerals and old folk things, but it continues okay. on that way, right? Yeah. But for the most part, this idea of transmutation It hasn't worked and it isn't working. Theory is mm -hmm. there. So, you know, everybody's kind of, hmm, maybe if we did this, right? So that kind of goes on. So alchemy yeah. 
kind of disappears, right? Um, but what at the same time around the 1700s, 1600, 1700s, is that you see it taking on a more of a um, esoteric aspect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a more so like Robert Flood, uh, fo- yeah. folks like this that start to try to synthesize all these practices together in a way of understanding and attaining a, a deeper wisdom of the universe, let's say. Right. Mm-hmm. But they only go so far themselves. Right. And then, you know, you have that type of activity kind of going on. And so it was pretty much, you know, kind of humming along like that from around the 1700s until around the mid 1800s. And I really think one of the things that um, started occurring, like in Europe, was was mesmerism was animal yes, magnetism sure. were, yeah. were these ideas that there was something else that was going on, right? Spiritualism starts to kind of show up in New York and elsewhere in the four, 1840. Uh, Mr. Mesmer came from my city actually. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I think that at the same time, when you're reading Neoplatonic material, right? Um, the uh, Chaldean oracles, uh, the trance type material, it sounds as if like, well, wait a minute, isn't that what they're doing? Mm-hmm. So there became this interest in, um, in and around that time period. And it's like, we do this all the time, right? What is the latest yeah. insight? What is the latest science? Oh, maybe that's what the ancients meant. And then we back read against that and we gain mm-hmm. some insights. It's not necessarily what they were doing, but we do gain insights from it. Uh, uh-huh. So there's a there's kind of a value in kind of you know back checking once in a while. You just can't convince yourself, oh, that's what they were doing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah could be yeah, something yeah. like it, right? Um, but you don't know. <laughs> but, but we don't know, right? But yeah, for investigation yeah. and experimentation, so um, <clears throat> what she and her father, her father was Reverend South. South, what have you. And he had this amazing library of um, alchemy, theurgic writings, Neoplatonic writings, Hermeticism, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, He read in these languages, so did she. And they both studied very deeply. And they realized they had discovered what the true meaning of alchemy was. And it has to do with this idea of of ascending to the one. And then once that channel's open, you, mm. you know, you're, you're one with the one, you know, <laughs> it's like, you and, can pretty and much, there we are in the center of hermeticism. Exactly. And this is like, my God, what a great insight this is that she, that she mm. had, but then she goes even mm. further. And it's like, there's another work on animal magnetism that she and her father kind of co-authored. Uh, she writes about it later on, as this very early juvenile overexcited that, you know, and in it, it's like, yeah, mesmerism. Imagine doing these practices in this mesmeric state. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. she's not too far off. It's like, there's some very interesting so, yeah. things that you starting to, you know, play with the, what the mind can do in these deep quasi hypnotic visualization states, what have you. Yeah. So this yeah. is what she, this is what her book is about. Uh, the, Oh, that guy, I'm blanking on the name. 
the Hermetic Mysteries, uh-huh. an investigation into the Hermetic Mysteries. The Hermetic Mysteries, yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not like... It's not like she's saying that there's no material work because in her notebooks, she writes about some material work, right? I mean, her notebooks, you can go, you can, some pages are available online, but, um, okay. So she was interested in, in this. So what she and her father did was she was to write a book and he was to write a poem and the poem was lost and the book almost completely lost. Um, because after it was published for a handful of people, they got scared. They thought they revealed too much and the world wasn't ready for it. So they recalled them all and burned them. Really? Yeah. And then I think in the 19, 19 teens, one of her friends had a copy and convinced her that this is very important and that she should publish it and that there is no, and then she did. Um, and so the first time it was like, and then fragments of the poem have been found, right? Which is, okay, yeah, not, you know. Because I was wondering, I mean, I'm, I'm rather well versed in the matter about uh, those things. And mm-hmm. uh, Mary Edward, I had heard the name maybe once or twice, but I never came across anything uh, particular about her. And yeah. actually in your book is the first time that she was really mentioned in that important way. And, right. and so it's, it's, it's really. Well, here's something else that, that this links to that I think you might find in your listeners may find if they're not fully aware of it. She and her father were associated with another, like sort of a, a religious circle sort of associated mm-hmm. with their church or chapel. Yeah, that was associated with a group called the Philadelphians in England. Mm-hmm. These are followers, English followers of Jacob Burma, right? Okay. Of um, yeah, John, John, Jane Lead, and John Portage. Uh, they were the English ones. So there is a rather interesting, deep mystical. Um, alchemical aspect to their work that goes back to, to, to Jacob Burma. Jacob Burma. Okay. Okay. So it's, it's actually interesting to kind of trace it back and kind of read it through that light as well, because they are understanding these deeper mystical things from a Christian alchemical sense. In other words, reaching out for Sophia, right? Right. And it's definitely a discovery you, you're making for us here and, and helping us discover her, because I think uh, that that sounds very important somehow. Yes, for the development of, I would say so. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, when you speak in that book about uh, reading a chemical text, how, how to read. Them, oh, yes. I think that's a very, very important chapter. I think it's the last chapter actually of the book there. Right. Uh, before it goes to the, to the, to the, to, 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 to some, to some appendices. And, um, maybe you can just briefly, I don't want people, uh, to get all here. They should buy the book and read it, but. Well, um, see, there's more important uh, than you, just reading the book. You actually to work with the book, work with the book because yeah, there's the right, wide yeah. margins. There's things for note taking. There's things for color. It's like you work with it. Absolutely. So, so absolutely. Yes. No, sorry. You're absolutely right. And you say that also in the book, but, um, 
Can you, you say, be aware that there is a communication strategy used by alchemical writers known as dispersion? Oh, yeah. Already that, uh, just that I find, find interesting. Maybe you just can help readers, not of your book, but readers of alchemical texts oh, in yes, general. Yes, and, yes, And how to approach those texts. Right. Well, the thing is you have to, and this is, this is written in, of all books, the Mutis Liber, the silent book. At the very yeah. end, it says in Latin, read, reread, reread, reread read, pray, work, and you will discover. Right. Yes. <laughs> and so that really, it's like, wow, it's right there. They're not kidding. <laughs> it's like the thing yeah. you need to do is read and read widely, right? Yes. Focused, you know, not like, so find a primary source area and understand that writer, that alchemist's language understand the philosophy, theology, and the language of that milieu, because it will change from Germany to France within a hundred years, how they're thinking and referring of things, right? The image of an owl is not necessarily Athena, right? It has other meanings mm -hmm. in Renaissance and medieval manuscripts yeah. that take another resonance that you need to understand from that point. So, so yeah. that's important. Um, but it's, again, this idea of dispersion is that a writer, an alchemist, wouldn't put the whole thing in one book, right? Mm -hmm. you'll, find, you'll find a book, usually maybe the third or fourth one that they write called The Key To, right? Yeah. And if yeah. you go through that, you'll find literally like expressions and things that, oh, if you took out and plugged into another one, all of a sudden it makes sense. Right. It's, it's a reference to, to it, yeah. it cross references. Yeah. It doesn't give yeah. Yeah. it doesn't give the whole thing in one place. So it means yeah. that you have to be dedicated to go do this. Right. Mm -hmm. It means it puts up a roadblock for some just somebody wishing to go play around with it. And some of those texts also give me personally the impression that, uh, and not just because they're complicated to read, but you read them once and they say, aha, don't get it. You read them twice, three times, four times. And each time I read them, and once again, it's not just because I need four times to understand them. It's something else that's happening. Mm -hmm. yes. It's like a development that happens. And oh. chapter by, or, or yes. maybe paragraph by paragraph, it opens somehow to you but uh, this is the process you, of this is yeah. the process of reading and rereading rereading right yeah. Yeah. it's like it's i mean i give in the book like how to just read in general like the three time thing like read it once through don't try to understand it what you understand you yeah. is yours and what you don't well don't worry about it you may someday yeah Right. You yeah. go through it a second time and those places you didn't is where you look things up, really drill down and then understand it. Right. And then move on. And then if you still don't understand it, well, put it aside for now and move on. Right. Yeah. And then the third time is read it again from beginning, trying to understand it. And those sections you still don't don't try to come up with an answer for. Just let it sit and like a. Let it, let it macerate, let it digest. And sometimes the knot yeah, just yeah. loosens because it's working in the background, yeah. right? Whatever you do yeah. a lot of yeah. you, you, is yeah. working in the background, whether you think Absolutely. it is or not. 
And you as a fervent reader might agree uh, that this also happens with non-alchemical texts. I remember when oh. I read Jack London as a boy, this was just a fun story. And you read Jack London at 25 and again at 45. And it's completely different. Completely different. The same story. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like layers upon layers upon layers because you Absolutely. are now understanding what's in between. I'm, You're filling... Absolutely. All this kind of... You're a different person. You're a different yeah, person. Yeah, and yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. No. The, the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just... The whole act of creating and creation is just really quite astounding. And then seeing it how, how it has an impact as well. And yeah. that's part of yeah, the alchemical absolutely. thing too, is that you are making something that is causing a change. Yes, exactly. Right? Whether it's a medicine, whether it's a, you know... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I cannot let you go today without you talking us a, a bit about your, your zines. Oh, yeah. Zines, beginning, it's the wrong pronunciation yeah. by European. It's zines, of course. Yes. Um, yes, please tell us about them oh, because they're yes. such an important part of your work. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you don't know zines, well, you should. Uh, you go to my website, kepripress.com. Yeah. I guess you'll put it up. I'll put that in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, 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 sure. yeah. So if you go there, you'll see what I mean. What I do, um, I do books. I do very high-end books, like fancy, fancy, leather-bound, pretty stuff. I do other work published by regular publishers. And then I do my stuff. Um, and what the zines are, they're all alchemically or theurgically related, right? Those are the mm -hmm. themes of it. Uh, but what they are... Each one actually could be a book. Each one could actually be a lifetime of research and development, but I'll never do it. And so <laughs> what I've done is I brought all those things together, right? It doesn't so much answer questions as kind uh, provide some questions and provide the, the sort of the starting points for things. So bibliography, primary source texts, kind of all sort of cut up in that 1970s, 80s, New York City punk kind of, <laughs> kind of way. <laughs> um, it just comes natural. It just came natural to me. It's, I was doing these things in the 70s and the 80s anyhow. And then um, I was about to give a talk and I was supposed to give an illustrated talk on the homunculus, but I had nothing... There are no images for the homunculus. There's nothing to show. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but when I give talks, I tend to give it in the past. I would just cut up my notes and paste them into a thing and do it from there. And then I realized I have a zine. So the first zine I did again, I did some, as I say, in the 80s, um, was for a talk in 2015 on the homunculus. Um, mm -hmm. And that, and that just kind of, kind of started every time. Well, you know how, when you do research, you have a focus on something, but you come across a little side thing that's kind of interesting and you start another folder for it. And that's yes. what was, ha that's what a lot of these things were, right? I did one on the animation of statues because it, it's something I would come across, right? But I'm never really gonna go deep study, you know, you know, I'm not, it's right. just like, who has the time? Yeah. Um, but I go far enough. I think of them as, as, as maps to trailheads, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Here's where I lead people into, into it for the research. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In other words, yeah. here's enough. If you really want to know, and it's primary source material, right? I mean, I go deep with some of this and sometimes kind of surprising ways. 
Um, but I find it to be a, a way of putting out research I've been doing, but in a way that's very accessible to folks who are also working. Right. Right. And whatever's in there, just take it and run with it. You want to do a book based on this? Go for <laughs> it. You know, uh, it's, it's actually what I'm kind of hoping for would happen. Uh, because yeah. I do have, yeah. I do have a, um, I do bring a unique insight to it of my own work and my own practice. And so some of these are my own questions, mm-hmm. right? But I'm not going to have the time to go find out, you know, to so. answer them. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, of course, by egoistic thinking, I think alchemy and music, one of the last scenes that you right, right. Uh, and you sent to me, um, of course, but, uh, that would be great if you could do your own book on that, because I think you have enormously interesting things to say on that, but well, maybe I'm not going to convince you. Tonight. Well, what I'm going to do with that is, <laughs> um, is an actual audio piece, um, coming yes. out of it, uh, him to Hikate is something I'm working on. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that, see, that's actually more of what I'm interested in more than kind of continuing writing books. And actually one of the first sentences in the book is this might be the last well thing well 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 you you're taking my baseline here oh sorry absolutely you see no 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 that's good we are so much in conjunction here we <laughs> always want to go in the same points i find right. it very interesting yes that guy brian kodmar he opens the book by saying this is probably the last thing i will write and you get a <laughs> shock when you open that book and then you read 160 pages and then there comes that famous <laughs> blank page as always in between and you turn once again on page 163 and there it says oh and that thing i said about this being the last thing i write don't count on it and you feel so relieved <laughs> <laughs> well here's here's what, what i what's what's going what on? on your plan yeah what's exactly. my plan here's what's going on what i meant by that what i mean by that because i actually got a few panicked calls <laughs> from friends and like Good, are you Good. are you okay are you healthy and it's like no everything's fine no 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 <laughs> what i mean by that is i don't really have a lot of words I mean, I can talk forever that I can do, but to actually sit and to write, I'm amazed and impressed and in awe of people that can really take a sentence and embellish it and open it up and turn it into a page of something that you really enjoy reading and you're getting inside. I can't do it, you know? Man walk through the door. You know, that, 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 that's all I got. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it, it's, yeah, 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 um, yeah. So I guess what I'm meaning by that is I have a lot of other creative projects that are not necessarily books. They may take a book-like form. Um, I have a lot of, I, I, I was doing temper, I was doing paintings. I do in great, I, I do, I don't do song and dance. That's the one thing I don't do. Um, (laughs) but anything dealing with image and text Mm -hmm. and sound, it's my field of play. Right. So this is the thing. It's like, you know, will I write a book on this? It's like, well, I know what it means to write a book on that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because sure. I did a zine on that and it took me a year and a half. So that's a that's a commitment. Um, it's but it's it's more the fact that I will still use the written word, but I don't think I will be doing it in like chapter book form, yeah, I think is what I yeah. mean. Yeah. It's like there's yeah. this the music yeah. audio project. 
I have a, there's a, there's an alchemical chapel I'm working on with a Czech architect friend of mine, the whole grounds mm-hmm. labyrinth. Yeah. It's, you understand what I mean. And so Absolutely. it's, Absolutely. I understand what it says to commit to write a book. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Well, thanks for clarifying that. Yes. But, um, I'm, I'm fine. I'm healthy. I'm not going it. anywhere. You know, <laughs> very good. as far very as I good. know. Very good. <laughs> One of your uh, latest projects was that movie on uh, the Kibalion that you co co produced. Oh, I didn't co produce. No, no, I was an no, co create. I was an interview yeah. subject. Ah, okay, okay. Anyway, um, the, the director of that movie, Ronnie Thomas, uh, mm-hmm. thanks also to Brian here, will be in some of the next episodes here on the show. And I'm very happy about that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for helping with that. Uh, You're quite welcome. Uh, and uh, we are all already looking forward. Um, well, I'm afraid we come to the end of that fascinating talk. Thank you for that, Brian. Oh, this has been um, fun. Maybe you have some final things well final in the sense of for this interview <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> a few last words to say to the audience who have listened to this what what do you would you like to give them on their way through life and alchemy and the work we all need to do to make this world maybe a little bit better oh okay i here i was going to talk about an event coming up but that's this is oh no do no do, no no please, i will no, <laughs> sorry it's like wow okay uh <laughs> i mean you know here's the thing when i was when i first started to write the book i thought i really don't really need to write this book because everybody already knows those practices that are in it right and i really feel that this is very true i mean i clothe it i give it a whole thing around alchemy and art but the sort of meditation the visualization I, you've all heard it before right and so that was yeah but that was one of the things like i was kind of concerned about is the book too simple is it like oh come on already you know what do you think mm-hmm. i mean i know i bring the perspective of bringing it within the alchemical practice the alchemical language and and art so really what it is is you know we we and this is for me as much as i say because what i say it's really it's like, we know what we need to do. Yeah. Right. We just have to do it. We just have to find the, and let this be the impetus then to kind of get back into our daily practice. If we had one weekly practice, whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just hold back on the silent curses as the person who's exiting the subway stairway stands at the top and won't get out of the friggin' way. You know, it's right. a little right. generosity, right. a little generosity That's there. Good. Very, very good point yeah. for your own sake in a way. Exactly. Because it will always come back in circular movement. Well, you know something at one point in one place somewhere in the world, you will be that person. Yeah, <laughs> you know what For I mean. For example, and exactly. perhaps at that moment yeah. you would want a little grace from others because, well, you're having a bad yeah. moment. Whatever, who knows? Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. As it is, that, As everybody chill. Final, <laughs> that's a great final thought. A yes. Great final thought. But still, if you want to talk about an event, feel well. There is, but it, it's happening in in at the Brooklyn Museum. For anybody happening mm-hmm. to be in New York City. Um, from November to March, there's an exhibition in the Brooklyn Museum called Copy Machine Manifestos. Uh, 
These are zines and things like that from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000 uh, being exhibited at the museum. Great. On the 19th, they've invited about 60 contemporary zine makers, myself included, to kind of take over, I guess, the uh, rest of the area outside the exhibit to have our stuff available. So if you're in New York City, check out the November 19th. November 19th. Yeah, we'll all have tables. I'll be there. Stop by and say, hey. That will be exactly a week by the day after the release of this episode. Oh, cool. That's great timing. Very good. Very good. If we're in New York, do go there and meet Brian. Yeah, (laughs) that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. Well, Brian, thank you so much. And uh, well, take care. And um, I hope we'll be in touch again. I hope so, too. This has been brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good night. Now they're
Gesund by Nick Green, healthy from the coronavirus punk rock CD that he produced, I guess, during the corona years. He sent that to me last year before I stopped, shortly before I stopped. And I'm glad I can finally bring some of his music and it will not be the last one. You know that sometimes I play hard rock, punk rock here and we will certainly have some more of those tracks that he sent me in later issues. Okay, well, it was great to have you all, and it was especially great to have Brian Kotmar finally here on the show. Do look on the webpage and do look in the show notes. We have plenty of links this time there, uh, also for his work, for things that he has produced, and really look it up and search it out. It's really, really worth it. Great. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode and next week, episode 13 of season 10. And my guest next week will be Matthew Castle. And maybe you have already come across that great, huge volume Ars Notoria, uh, English traduction of Ars Notoria in a great edition, beautiful big book and has been produced by Inner Traditions. And Matthew has been the translator and editor of that version. And we're going to talk about Ars Notoria and him next week in this show. And I hope you will be back then to listen to us and for the time being. Well, what can I say? Take care, stay tuned, hear you soon.